As always, thank you to those that do somehow contact me um, and say that they listen. It's really great. Sometimes I, you know, I come home and I say to my family, they say, where have you been? I said, oh, I've just been speaking to myself <laughs> for an hour. But it's, I'm, I'm glad to know that there are people out there listening, learning and deriving much pleasure. And it's, it's a pleasure for me to be here and to share with you some words of wisdom looking into the mystical text and specifically right now we are going still through the book of Tehillim and more specifically chapter 119 which is the longest chapter um, in the whole book of Tehillim and today we are going to be delving into the letter Lamed. The letter Lamed is an exciting one because the Lamed, listen to me, the meta Lema Lema Lema. Let's start that again. The letter Lamed um, is halfway through. We have actually come halfway through the longest capital, the longest chapter of Tehillim. And so uh, we've got another 11 weeks after this to complete it up. And uh, there's obviously going to be a break December just over the December-January period, so I foresee us finishing it up somewhere probably the end of February. But hey, I'd like always your feedback. Let me know if it's something that you're enjoying, if it's something that you're learning, and if you have a question or two, you're always most welcome to uh, SMS us on 34519. You can WhatsApp us on 061-895-1019. You can email on air at chaifm.com. So let's look into the letter Lamed. The letter Lamed actually has quite a few ideas behind it. The first is is that the letter Lamed is synonymous with Limud, with the study of Torah. Everybody knows Limud here as a weekend convention where people get together to learn, to talk, to find out things, but it actually comes from the word Limud. Limud means study. And here we're talking, obviously, the study of Torah. And um, as you all know, um, and as Chai FM is cognizant, the study of Torah is the highest value in Jewish life. So when we're looking at a Jewish newspaper, a Jewish radio station, anything that is Jewish, a shul, a school, Limud, the study of Torah, is held in the highest esteem. It's the highest value in Jewish life. And uh, it's important. Why? Because that is, or Torah is, the blueprint of how we are to run our lives. It's the instruction manual. It always has been and always will be. And it is something that has bound the Jews together um, in a marriage between themselves and God for millennia from the time of our first forefather, Abraham, who recognized many, many of the Laws of the Torah from a, from, 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 from a personal point of view. He had the ability to understand them even before the Torah was given. But certainly from the time of the receiving of the Torah in the year 2448, we're now in the year 5778, so you can take it back over 3,000 odd years ago, uh, when we received the Torah, the Torah is our glue. The Torah is our instruction manual. The Torah is where we look um, into, um, we, we, we source out our wisdom, our courage, our philosophy, our any question that you have, Torah is able to answer. And so Lamed, 
the letter Lamed stands for the study of Torah, for Limudat Torah, for the learning of Torah, and therefore Lamed is the tallest of all the letters of the alphabet. So if you look at all 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, you will see that the Lamed is the tallest letter because this perhaps is the most important um idea, most important value that we have in Judaism. And uh, we are also taught that the Lamed represents the lave, the heart. Why? Because the heart is the source of human emotions and the source of human perception. The heart is the king of all the organs. And so the Lamed is found at the center of the Hebrew alphabet. As I said, it is the 12th letter of the 22 letters. So it's really the heart of it, the middle of it, the, the crunch on which everything else stands, stands the letter Lamed, the lave, and with it comes the learning of Torah because without the learning of Torah, we would be a people who would probably just go with the flow of what the rest of the world says and does and thinks. And honestly, we would have disappeared off the planet many, many thousands of years ago. I don't think we would have lost, lasted more than 100 or 200 years after um, Matan Torah. But we're here today because we cling to the authenticity of Torah, which is very, very important. There have been many, many movements in the annals of history um, from within and from without that have tried to change the Torah. Okay, And one of the 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 greatest points about Torah is that it's unchangeable. We can change. We can live in different countries, in different places. We can be different people. We can be in different spaces. But what Torah says, Torah says, irrespective of where we find ourselves, irrespective of what generation we find ourselves in. And the brilliance about Torah, because it is not man-made, it is divine wisdom, is that Albeit that we change circumstance, we change place, we change millennia, we change whatever it is, Torah will always have an answer for whatever situation we find ourselves in. So just off the cuff, if we are looking at uh, today in the modern world today where we see so much technological advance in so many areas, um, we've always gone back to the Torah to understand how to interpret it through the eyes of Torah because it is God's wisdom, it's God's blueprint and if it appears in this world it doesn't matter in which segment of history it appears, then there is an answer, there is a guidance, there's a reason, there's a why that we are able to find in Torah. So that's the second idea about the letter Lamed, that it is the heart, it's like the, 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 the king of all the organs, and it's found in the center of the Hebrew alphabet. And thirdly, um, the Talmud states that Lamed symbolizes the man who has merited the highest world reward, which is Elam Haba, which is the world to come. Now in Judaism we know that whilst we, we, we are human beings and we dwell in this world physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically. And, you know, our whole consciousness is taken by us performing within the paradigm of this world. Judaism very much holds that this world is just but a corridor to a world to come, to a much greater place, bigger place, expansive place spiritually. Um, and that a lot or nay, 
everything that we do down here actually has an effect um, for what we call Olam Haba, for the world to come. And uh, the Lamad represents those people who keep that goal in mind. You know, a person who's successful is a person who sets a goal and whatever he does, however, whatever occupation he finds himself in, whatever every deed that he does, it's towards that goal that he wants to fulfill. And one of the highest goals is that we must understand that after 120 years, we're in fact going to be moving to a much greater expansive place um, where the greatest reward is founded. We have to reach to the highest levels in this world so that we can merit the world to come. And this is really what the letter Lamed, standing really very high, is all about. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. Welcome back. And we are now going to look into the particular verses of um, the stanza that starts with the letter Lamed, eight verses. There are verses 89 until, I think, verse, where are we? Verse 99. 80, sorry, 89 to 96. Apologies. 89 to 96 um, are the verses that pertain to the letter Lamed. So let's dig in. Let's dive in straight away and let's look at verse 89, a very, very famous verse that says, Le'olam Hashem, you are forever Hashem, Devarcha Nitzav Bashamayim, your word stands firm in the heavens. Okay, um, this actually is an incredibly famous verse and it is a verse that is dissected very much by the Kabbalists and by the Hasidic masters. On a, on a basic level, what we are saying is that we know that the words of Hashem, the, the sayings of Hashem, Vayomer Hashem, and Hashem said, brought all those ten utterances at the beginning of the book of Bereshit, brought about the existence of this, of, of the world. And so now King David says, Lo'olam Hashem, Devarcha forever Hashem, your word is now standing firm in the heavens. What does this compare to? So we know that any verbal utterance, when we, we form a, an express through the lips of our, of, 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 of our, of, of us, of me being flesh and blood, when we say something, immediately afterwards it dissolves into silence as soon as it's said. But when it comes to Hashem, okay, when a word emanates from Hashem, it forever remains firm in the heaven, meaning, not only did the word of Hashem cause the creation to come into being, Vayomer Hashem, God said, let there be light and there was light. But what it does is it also perpetuates the existence of creation. And this is why we say every day in davening, that every single day God renews the work of creation, meaning that creation wasn't something that happened 5,778 years ago. Creation is a continuing process. It requires Hashem's constant intervention. It requires Hashem's constant speech. It's almost as if the, if, if we had to silence, but for a moment, the reverberating word of God, all of creation would instantly disintegrate into nothing, nothingness. And 
that is a truth that is expounded by the Kabbalists, by the Hasidic masters, that Hashem's creative force is there all the time. One of the interesting things that the Radak and the Sforno, two commentators, um, Torah commentators say that, how do we know such a thing? Well, one of the proofs they bring is that the unchanging rotations and orbits of the universe of all the celestial bodies provide us with a glimpse of how Hashem's word stands and is unchanging in heaven. There's no deviation from it. But let's just, just dissect for a little bit more so that everybody should come to understand what does Lo'elam Hashem Devarcha Nitzav B'Shamayim Forever Hashem, your word stands firm in heaven. So the, 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 the understanding, and I think that this has been proved um, primarily through 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 science today, is that our world is not a stagnant world. It might look as if it's fixed. You know, you might be standing on Louis Botha now thinking, you know, and standing still and watching the traffic go by. And for you, the, the world has stood still. We know, number one, firstly, that the world is spinning at a very, very fast pace, okay, and that the only reason why we see things standing um, and relative one to the other is because of the theory of relativity. We're only measuring ourselves against something else that perhaps is not moving according to our space. So it's fixed. But the truth of the matter is, is that the world is revolving and things are, are, um, are in a constant state of movement. Now, what the Kabbalists have done to explain this concept, and I'm going to try to explain it in perhaps a very, very simple way, but a way that we can all uh, wrap our mind around, is that if you cut through anything that that you want in this world, if you want to slice through your dining room table, if you want to, you know, look at a, a human being, if you want, wh- whatever, you want to cut through a mountain, it doesn't really matter. Imagine you could put on special glasses and you could go and see what the composition of whatever it is you're cutting through Looks like. Let's take a table, a benign thing, a table. I'm looking at a table right now. Maybe you're in the surroundings where you're looking at a table. If not, imagine a table, a chair. Look at your car, wherever you are right now. Look at something that looks immobile. If you came and you stuck onto your eyes um, a, a, a type of electron microscope, a microscope that would be able to zoom in, and look at the composition of the table, you would see that it's made up of matter. The matter of, is made up of atoms. The atoms are made up of electrons and protons and neutrons. And if you go further, you will find quarks. And if you go further and further, imagine you can dig deeper and deeper and deeper or look deeper and deeper and deeper into the substance of matter. What are you going to find? You're going to find energy. You're going to be able to measure measure a a package of energy. Now, what's pretty interesting is that the entire world, if you dissected it, if you went and took slices of anything that you can think of in this world, you would eventually come to the point where you will just find a vibrational energy that is vivifying. That thing that you're looking at now energies the 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 um 
the vibrational energy that you will find will obviously vibrate at various speeds. So something that is inanimate, a table, a mountain, a stone, vibrates at a, an energy level that is very, very slow to the point where to our eye it looks inanimate. It doesn't move. A table just doesn't, you know, get the heck in and say, I'm, I'm leaving and get up and walk away. It can't. It's inanimate. It doesn't move. But as the vibrational energy of an item, of an object, as that vibrational energy becomes greater, faster, you will then be able to see movement. So we'll go from the inanimate world to the vegetative world, okay, where you will see some type of life, as we will put it in inverted commas, but the really that life is really just vibrational energy moving faster than the inanimate world. And then you will go to the animal kingdom and you will see that vibrational energy be far more pulsating and moving and and strong and so you'll see the movement of animals etc etc until you'll come to the 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 world of the human where we are the ones that are, mo- are vibrationally the most active but having said that the common denominator is that each and every single one of us is made up of vibrational energy um that's what vivifies us that's what what gives us life that's what that that's the way that we 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 um connect to the world that vibrational energy is godly it's god's energy it's god's will word and that's why lo'elam hashem devarcha nitzav b'shamayim forever hashem your word stands firm in heaven means that when god spoke that vibrational energy got enclosed into the physical world and it maintains the physical world all the time if god wanted to destroy the world how do you think he'll destroy the world Yes, I mean, he can do certain things. He can send an earthquake. He can send a hurricane. He can send a fire. He can send any type of disaster. But imagine if God tomorrow morning, God forbid, wakes up and says, look, I don't want anything to do with this world anymore. Anything and everything in the world. I want nothing to do with it. He doesn't have to go and make nature destroy it. He doesn't have to send a nuclear bomb. He just has to remove his vibrational energy. And guess what will happen to us? We'll just disappear into oblivion. We'll have no existence. It's quite a scary thought. But that's the truth. That is how this world is energized. We are energized through God every single second, millisecond of every single day of every single year for the last 5,778 years. Lo'aylam Hashem devarcha nitzav b'shamayim. Your word, Hashem, stands firm in the, 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 the heaven. Our Kabbalists teach is that Hashem is the glue that maintains each and every single entity that there is on this planet. Now, here's just one other mad idea. It's a little mad because maybe right now it's incomprehensible. Though I do think that um, Star Trek had something um, <laughs> when they made that series Lahav deal. If we wanted to change from physical into completely spiritual beings, how would we do that? 
Maybe I should leave that as a question and let's see who can answer that. If I wanted to change from a physical human being into a spiritual human being, how can I do that? I've given you a clue for anybody that's watched Star Trek. We'll leave that question hanging. You can SMS on 34519, WhatsApp on 0618951019. You can email on air at highfm.com. Think about it. Let's see who's out there listening. Um, we'll get the answer when we come after the break. In the meantime, let's continue with the verses of Kapitel Kufiotet of 119. We're going to look at verse 90 now that says, Lador vador emunatecha. Your, gener- your, your faithfulness endures Lador vador from generation to generation. Koinanta eretz vita'amod. You've established the earth and it endures. This word, this word, Lador vador, okay, um, is an interesting one from generation to generation because it describes the normal passage of time, the natural progression of events from one era, era to another. But what we do know is this, is that while one generation passes away and another generation comes back, the world, konanta eretz vitamod, the the shape of material object and even sorry the, the the shape the shape of material objects the 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 way we function how we live will change one thing remains ironclad that the earth stands forever that there are ironclad laws of nature through which God faithfully rules the universe. Those never change. For the last 5,778 years, the sun has come up and the sun will go down and we'll have winter, spring, summer um, and autumn. And we will have certain natural laws that will remain forever and ever and ever. That consistency. So while we may change, Lador Vador, if, if generation after generation, things will change and one generation will pass and another will come, the world will remain the way it is. Konanta Eretz Vita'amod, the natural laws that rule heaven and earth remain heaven and earth. And this is something that we've, we've got to realize when we are measuring um, our ideas, our philosophies, etc., etc., and the manner in which we behave in this world. Because one of the bad habits of the human being is that we just go with the flow and whatever there is with the time, we live with the times. Right? So in the 1960s, we were hippies. And then in the 19, and then the 20, in the, in, in the 2000s, we had the millennials. And then, uh, you know, whatever. We had the swinging 20s, whatever, 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 um, uh, what's the name you look at, whatever generation you look at, it looked as if people were living according to the times they were living in. But for a Jew, we know Lador Vador, from generation to generation, Emunatecha, the only thing that has remained constant and consistent is Hashem's faithfulness that the earth remains the way it is. So when you're deciding how to live your life, when you're deciding which path to take, just think of the following. You can't follow a New Age philosophy 
or something that just comes up now that will be out in 20 years or you know something that you you're stuck in from the 1960s that people have moved on a long time ago and you're still clinging to it because all of those things are temporary the only philosophy in life that you can cling to assured that it will never change is the word of the torah the lamed so this is really what this verse is telling us. And then King David goes on and says the following, Le mishpatecha amdu hayom. To fulfill your judgment, they stand every single day, which means that those things that are constant, the celestial bodies, um, the terrestrial bodies, all of those stand hayom today. Okay? And they, they, they stand to fulfill your judgment each and every single day. Why? Ki hakol avadecha, because they are truly the servants of God. The sun is truly a servant of God. It comes up and it goes down faithfully, without fail. There hasn't been a day in history where the sun hasn't come up and hasn't gone down. So what King David is pushing over here, what King David is emphasizing over here, is that there are certain fixed things there are certain immutable laws, okay? And when one is measuring how should I behave, what is right is what, what is wrong, if you cling to any paradigm that you want, any philosophy that you think is right, you're clinging to something that is mutable, that is mo- that's movable, that, that has a shelf life, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's right. How do I know what I'm doing is right? You know by sticking to Torah, ki hakol avdecha, because all those things that God created in the natural world that run on a natural cycle are a representation, they are a manifestation of God's world. Now, very interesting, the word hayom, today, it said, lemishpatecha amdu hayom, to fulfill your judgment, they stand each day, every day. So the Pesikta uh, Rabbasai says Hayom refers to the first day of Tishrei, Rosh Hashanah, the day when Adam um, was judged. And that's why Hayom, the Rosh Hashanah, is always a day of universal judgment for all men because everybody is your servant. But Hayom also comes um, to tell us that it's today, that Today, God is sustaining this world. Today, God's vibrational energy is keeping the whole thing glued together. It's not something that he did 5,000 years ago and he's now sitting, you know, on a Shailong in the Bahamas, allowing the world to career in the, in whichever direction at once. God is intimately connected to us every single day, every single second because he vivifies and he gives life to, to absolutely Everything. Now, there's another idea that um, I'd like to discuss, which comes to the words ki hakol avadecha, for all of you are, for all are your servants, which we will touch right after the break. A reminder. Let's see who can answer the question. What should I do if I wish to be, to change myself from a physical being into a spiritual being? How can I do that? You're listening to Rabbits and Adol Kazilski. Welcome back. And uh, we were in the middle of verse um, 91, that everything that 
the celestial bodies and nature all around is your servant. So the Talmud derives from this verse that when the time arrives for someone to leave this world, any creature has power over them. For lemishpatecha amdu hayom, that your judgments stand today. Because all creatures are your servants, meaning any one of them can cause or can fulfill the divine decree by causing a person to depart from the world. And the Talmud goes on and gives some very interesting ideas. It says the Talmud narrates several unusual cases to illustrate the point that when a man's time has come, nothing can stand in the way of fulfilling the divine judgment. And all creatures and all forces of nature stand ready to serve God's will. And he has two examples that the Talmud gives. They've got a rabbi by the name of Rabbi Bar Shila. He said he saw the, this message, this message that this verse so dramatically um, proves, with an incident of a traveler. The traveler was riding a donkey over a bridge. The rider had secured, was secure in the saddle. The donkey was sturdy. Everything was perfect, and suddenly, without any apparent cause, the donkey was seized with a terrible convulsion, and he threw his rider into the river where he drowned, meaning it was time for this rider. His life was over, and something as obscure or as out of this world happened, and he died. Rabbi Shmuel applied this verse to another bizarre incident which he witnessed, this is also a story in the Gomorrah. He saw a man walking peacefully on one side of the river while a poisonous reptile snake was on the other side. The man was in no danger because there was a wide river that was separating him and the lethal snake. Suddenly, the snake slithered on to the back of a frog that swam across the river carrying its passenger upon it. And on the other side of the river, the snake attacked and killed the unsuspecting victim. Why? Because divine judgment had decreed that this man's time had come and that he would perish through a snake bite. And therefore, said Reb Shmuel, we learn that all of God's creatures have um, become servants in order to fulfill his judgment. Now, this is a very, very powerful and important Thing that we should always, always remember. And that is, is that people tend to blame something or someone for misfortune, or you'll always get the saying, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. No such concept in Judaism. You're always at the right place at the right time because nothing, underline, bold, Nothing happens without God willing it and without whatever happens to you being allowed to happen by God through his various means. I remember once um, I was speaking to somebody who sadly was involved in the unfortunate um, circumstance of having a party at the house that happened many, many years ago and um they had a bunch of, of, of people that came in and robbed the mothers, et cetera, et cetera, of their cell phones and their bags and whatever have you. And I remember speaking afterwards to the lady and she said to me, oh, we were the wrong place at the wrong time. And I went, nope. 
everybody that was there was at the right place at the right time. There was a divine decree. Um, we're not going to dissect it right now, but nothing happens by mistake. Nothing happens as a freak accident. And I'm sure that many of the lis- listeners have seen, witnessed, heard about freak accidents. There's no such concept in Judaism. No such concept. Nothing happens by freak accident. Everything happens. As King David says, Le mishpatecha amdu hayom, that all your creatures are standing today in order to fulfill your judgment. Everything, but everything comes from Hashem. And this was obviously something that King David understood because we've always said he, he suffered repeatedly. And, but he never ever attributed his woes to blind fate or, or, or chance. He always admitted that this was a negative thing, that he was being summoned for divine judgment, that his persecutors were merely servants of God. Okay. When, for example, Absalom pursued him, David was filled with contrition. He, he, he had remorse for his sins. When Shimi ben Gera cursed and stoned King David, David resigned himself to disgrace because he knew that Shimi was simply a messenger of God. So this is like a huge perspective. It's a huge change in the way that we look at things. Lulei Torat Hashu'ai, had Torah not been my preoccupation, as a vadati be'oni, I would have perished in my suffering. And here King David went and goes and says that the very fact that I learn Torah, the very fact that I am connected to you, God, and that I bear witness to the fact that you are faithful, I know that I can trust the promises, I know that ultimate salvation will come with you, that is what has kept me around. As I would have just perished. I would have drowned in my suffering. And this is the way that the Torah teaches that when a person is threatened by affliction, you should immerse yourself in the study of Torah because that's when you'll grow calm and tranquil because you'll know whatever is happening, God has willed it that it should happen. Okay? Um, and that is something very, very important. I will never forget your precepts. Meaning, despite, despite the hard persecutions that the Jewish people have had through the Gentile nations, the hard persecutions that King David suffered, even you personally, if you're going through a difficult time, never forget Torah. Why? Because it's only through Torah that we live. Okay, as King Solomon said in Proverbs, all those who find me, meaning the Torah, find life. And he also said, for by me, i.e. the Torah, your day shall be multiplied and the years of your life shall be increased. Very interestingly, a disciple once came to a very famous rabbi called the Chidusheh Harim, and he asked advice on how should he remember his Torah studies. So the rabbi asked this bloke back again, did you ever forget how to eat? Nope. Did you ever put a spoonful of food into your ear instead of your mouth? Nope. So the Rebbe asked, why not? Because your life, responded the Rebbe, because your life depends on eating and no one forgets an essential part of his life. Similarly, when a person comes to understand that Torah is actually keeping him alive, he will never forget a word 
of in all his life-giving studies. And that's why King David said, For through them you have, I have been preserved. So this is a very, very interesting idea and very interesting um, concept that this is what we cling to, to Torah study, to limit our Torah, because that is the tallest, the highest value we can have. That is the yardstick that we stick to that allows us to navigate the trials and tribulations of this world. You're listening to Robertson Adol Kazilski. And we're going to be finishing up uh, chapter 119, the verses 89 to 96. We're on verse 94 that reads as follows. Lacha ani hoshieni. I am yours, Hashem. Save me, ki pikudecha darashti, for I have sought your precepts. Once King David has pushed the idea that God runs this world, there's no freak accidents. God vivifies and gives energy to the old world. Well, then the only conclusion you can come to is to say, I'm yours, Hashem. And the only thing that can save me in this world is you, is you. And just like you cannot put a cow to plow two different furrows at the same time, you cannot have two masters at the same time. You either choose God and know that he runs your life or you choose something outside of God to run your life. Sadly, those people that place emphasis on those things outside of God see the fallibility of those things. You think that, 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 that your bank manager is going to save you, that this is going to help, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, the bottom line is, is that only God, and he says it very clearly, very, very clearly. I am your save me, ki pikudecha darashti, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked have hoped to destroy me, but I contemplate your testimonies. To every goal, I have seen a limit, but to your commandments is exceedingly broad. So again, he mentions the wicked people, but he says, I just cling to you, Hashem. I cling to your Torah. I know that I cannot be hurt. And then he says a very interesting thing. To every goal, I have seen a limit. But your commandment is exceedingly broad Meaning in the Midrash teaches us that everything has a limit Even the vastness of heaven and earth has a limit Why? We see in Bereshit it says Thus the heaven and the earth were finished There's a limit to the heaven and the earth But when it comes to learning of Torah When it comes to delving into God's wisdom Its measure is longer than the earth And broader than the sea That's what Yoav said Meaning Whenever we embark on any type of mission, we don't consider ourselves successful until we see that goal accomplished. But know one thing. When you learn Torah, okay, realize that you could live thousands of years. You will never approach the completion of Torah because Torah is an endless spiritual and intellectual pursuit because we are studying the infinite wisdom of God. And the Rambam, the Ramban, apologies, Nachmanides goes and says that Torah study differs from secular studies, from maths, from science. Um, why? Because math and science analyzes the finite world. It leads to specific finite answers. But because the Torah is finite, its study transcends absolute rules, meaning that we know that with every mitzvah in the Torah, there are 70 different 
faces. So Rechava Mitzvatcha Me'od, your commandments are exceedingly broad, meaning that each and every single mitzvah has a tremendous spiritual force and it can create a ripple, ripple effect that reaches out past, past this heaven and earth to countless spheres and no mitzvah, no word of Torah is found in isolation. You'll never find somebody that says, I've arrived, I know everything of Torah, let me move on to something else. Right, I can see that uh, nobody has answered any, 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 <laughs> nobody has come and answered the question, what happens if I wanted to change from a physical to a spiritual human being? And I even gave you the clue of the Star Trek. Well, by definition of everything is vibrational energy and God is that energy within us. We're vivifying energy. We, we, we're moving along. We vibrate at a certain speed. Our table is at a very, very slow vibrational energy. It's infinite. Then let's swing the pendulum to the other side. If you want to become totally spiritual, you wouldn't be able to, but this is the theory. Get on a treadmill and start running and start creating a vibrational energy that goes very, 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 very fast. And what will happen is that your spiritual will change, your physical will change into spiritual. You'll actually lose, you'll shed your physical being and you'll land up only being spiritual because the spiritual worlds are worlds where the vivifying energy is vibrating at a much, much faster space, uh, pace than that which is in this world. When Hashem came into this world, he went through the process of tzimtzum, of contraction, he slowed himself down so that he could create this physical entity. That, in a nutshell, that was like 101 of uh, Hasidus and Kabbalah, um, really very, very much simplified. So anybody who is very learned, I apologize for making it as simple as that, um, but that's what it is. And so I leave you with these ideas, and primarily I think the main idea to go away with from the letter Lamed is that the greatest intellectual, spiritual, emotional, Physical pursuit is the pursuit of Torah and its mitzvahs, okay? And to know that Hashem is vivifying every single part of our lives is very much part of our lives, and there's no such thing as freak accidents. For that, I leave you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, and please, God, we will chat again next week.